Good morning. I'm Jake, and I'm one of the pastors here at Restoration Church. If you're a guest with us this morning, checking out our stream or just looking for connection, let me just say we are so glad and honored that you're here with us this morning. But I want to start today with something real quick. One of the things that I've enjoyed most these past few months has been watching my friends on social media post their new puppy pictures. I love seeing these puppies. I love seeing uh, these little fur balls, and I love just seeing how people are just welcoming a new family member into their home. I probably see about three different posts a week. But what I enjoy more than these puppy pictures is probably the follow-up post that comes a few days later, which basically says something like, my puppy's been howling through the night, can't sleep, and I feel like I've got a newborn in the house. As I see that, I just chuckle to myself and I keep on scrolling. One of the reasons why I laugh, why I chuckle about that, is because I'm reminded of when I decided it was a good idea to get a puppy for our home almost two years ago. And so we brought her into our home and we found that during the day she was very chill, she was very relaxed, and we just loved her as a, as a puppy. We loved bringing her into our family. But we also found at night it was a very different dog where she would be in her kennel and she would whine and she would howl for hours even after we've let her out. Even after we played with her and cuddled with her and tried to soothe her as best we could. But we found that she had some abandonment issues. But doesn't it seem like almost all dogs have abandonment issues of some kind? You know, as you, get, as you get them from the pound or as you get them as puppies, like they just chew on things. They destroy your house. They destroy your yard. They whine and they howl throughout the night. And as you think about it, of course it makes sense why they have abandonment issues. They've been plucked from their litter mates. They've been plucked from their mother. And they've been put into a new home where they have to figure things out, where they're having new environment. And so... It seems like this, this abandonment just lasts well into the dog's life. But I find it interesting that this abandonment issue, these, abandon, these feelings of abandonment, also speak to many of our feelings today as humans. Many of us, if not all of us, have been abandoned by people who should love us. Some of us have been abandoned by our parents, effectively leaving us as orphans. Some have been abandoned by a spouse or by a significant other. We've been abandoned by friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, all sorts of different people in our lives. And for others, while you may not have been abandoned by a loved one physically, you found that loved ones have emotionally abandoned you. And so you know the pain that comes from that. For many of us, this has caused a fear and anxiety in our relationships. We find ourselves hesitant to make new relationships, and we find that we like a few people and we trust even fewer. You may even find it hard to love and to be loved because you don't believe that people are gonna stay in your lives. And so this causes us to be troubled, to be distressed. And I think it's this fear of abandonment, it stems from a perceived lack of being loved. You see, this is where we've been this, this summer in our ser summer series called Last Words, focusing on John 13 through 17, recounting Jesus' last five hours with his disciples. 
It's the final teaching to encourage the disciples as their lives are, be, about, are about to be turned upside down through Jesus' betrayal, his arrest, his trial, his death, and leading up to his resurrection. Today, though, we're looking at the promise of the Holy Spirit taking the place of Jesus in the life of the disciples. But I want to cast this picture for you. Imagine that you're one of Jesus' disciples. Imagine that you've been with him for the past three years. You've seen him do impossible things. You've seen blind people see. You've seen lame people walk. You've seen lepers healed. You've seen the miraculous, the supernatural happen in the natural world. But more than that, you've seen the authority of Jesus and his teaching. And honestly, you've come to know Jesus better than most people in the world. And so as you approach this last dinner, you might be thinking that this dinner is like every other dinner that you've ever had over the course of the last three years. But as you're getting ready for dinner, Jesus starts speaking with a sense of urgency. But he begins this dinner by washing your feet and the other disciples' feet. And then, after he's done that, he tells you that one of you, one of the disciples, is going to betray him. So if those two things weren't enough to trouble you, Jesus then tells Peter, one of the closest disciples to Jesus, that he's going to deny him three times before the sun rises. And then Jesus tells you that he's going to go away, that you can't come with him, and so this is leaving you and the other disciples with a sense of abandonment, a sense of, being, of, of distress. You're troubled in your hearts. And this is exactly where our passage picks up. You see, recognizing their distress, Jesus makes an interesting and unique promise. Look what he says in verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And then in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. And I want to just point this out really quickly. Notice where the Holy Spirit comes from. He's given by God the Father for our well-being. And so Jesus says very little about the Holy Spirit in his three years of ministry. Yet here in this passage, Jesus is focused solely on the Holy Spirit after he leaves his disciples. And it raises an important question for us and for the disciples. Who is the Holy Spirit? Up till now, they may not have known who he is. And so Jesus gives us two unique titles speaking to the very character, the very essence of the Holy Spirit. And so to calm the anxiety of the disciples, the first title that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit, and it is paraclete. And so depending on your translation, you might, may find helper, comforter, encourager, advocate. These are all stemmed from the same word, uh, which is paraclete, which means to come alongside, to bring comfort and encouragement, even to fight for. And so Jesus is telling his disciples that the Holy Spirit is designed to bring comfort, to strengthen the disciples in the months and the years to come. And it's interesting to see how Jesus encouraged, comforted, and helped the disciples these past three years. Now he's effectively saying the Holy Spirit is going to be taking up that ministry to do the same. 
And so the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings means that we have strength, means that we have courage to face our trials each and every day. And so the Holy Spirit brings comfort when life is difficult. The Holy Spirit gives us strength when we have nothing left emotionally, and he empowers us to find joy, to find gratitude, and to find goodness in the midst of intense challenges. And I have to say, right now, we need this message of comfort from the Holy Spirit in unsettling times. But the second unique title that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. Verse 17 continues, even the Spirit of Truth. Last week, Pastor Kevin told us about told us that Jesus is truth in John 14, 6. Here we're told that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. They are both equally God. As Jesus is truth, so also the Holy Spirit is truth. They are one. They are both truth. And if you want to know truth, you have to know Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So knowing who the Holy Spirit is raises another question for the disciples. Why is the Holy Spirit needed? Don't we just need Jesus? You see, in telling the disciples why the Holy Spirit is needed, Jesus is directly addressing their fears and their troubles. But I love what Jesus says in verse 17, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Jesus effectively told the disciples that he's leaving to go make a home for his disciples. Now he's saying that the Holy Spirit is coming to make a home in your hearts. And the Holy Spirit will be preparing us for the home with Jesus. And so he follows up that profound statement with an even more profound statement in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. See, what a deep message of hope for us. Jesus isn't abandoning his disciples. Jesus loves them so much that he is sending the Holy Spirit to indwell his followers. And I want to encourage you to say with me, wherever you're listening this morning, that I'm not an orphan. I'm a child of God. So let's say that together now. I'm not an orphan. I'm a child of God. We need to remind ourselves of this truth because we can easily forget it, especially in a season of isolation. And I want to push yourself to be reminded of this truth daily in an upcoming week. Write it down. Put it somewhere where you can see it. And remind yourself that you are a child of God. You see, because we're children of God, we are not alone. We are not forgotten. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through the word of God, and he speaks to us through others that he has been uh, through others, um, especially in this season. He uses other believers to encourage each other of the hope that we have in Christ. In fact, in the last few weeks, I've heard of a couple people just randomly sending letters to other people right here at Restoration Church through this pandemic. So the Holy Spirit has been prompting believers to send letters of encouragement. These have been completely unprompted. And this is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit reminds us that we are not alone, that we are not abandoned. But not only do we need the Holy Spirit, but Jesus also needed the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
All four Gospels record that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit after baptism. You see, the Holy Spirit indwelt Jesus his entire earthly ministry. And as the Holy Spirit indwelt Jesus, so believers need the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit also. But we need the Holy Spirit to face the difficulties of life. But knowing who the Holy Spirit is and why we need him raises a third question for us this morning. What does the Holy Spirit do? And I want to highlight three things that we see the Holy Spirit doing in our lives in addition to dwelling in our hearts. First, the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us into truth. Look again at verse 26. But the Helper will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't force truth on us. He doesn't make us believe truth. But through us humbly submitting or even resting in his power, he guides us into truth. And so he steers us away from lies and from falsehood because the Holy Spirit is spirit of truth. So he guides us into truth by pointing us back to Jesus, and that's what he does. You see, as he guides us into truth, he guides us by recalling the truths of Scripture on our hearts. And so we cannot know truth if we're not spending time praying, if we're not spending time reading the Word of God, if we're not spending time bringing the concerns of our hearts to the Holy Spirit. And let me ask a real quick heart check for you right here. Do you read Scripture enough to know what it says? Do you meditate on the Word of God enough to allow it to permeate your heart, to penetrate your mind? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, to your life, through the Word of God? You see, there's a lot of confusion in our world right now. Are you bringing the concerns to the Lord first instead of reacting to every piece of news that you're reading? See, we can't react to what we see and what we hear we must respond in prayer to the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we find is the Holy Spirit guides us into truth. We come to find probably one of the most significant things the Holy Spirit does. And the second thing he does is he reveals God's love for us. He shows us how God is love. Look at verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. And I want to say this very clearly. Love is at the heart of everything that God does, that everything that God is. We can't know and experience God's love apart from the Holy Spirit. We can't understand or make sense of Christ's death, resurrection, what it means apart from the Holy Spirit. You see, the cross is the greatest display of love to mankind. It's far greater than anything the world has to offer. And so love is central to Christian faith. And why it's the greatest commandment is to love God, and the second greatest commandment is to love others like yourself. So not only does the Holy Spirit reveal the deep love of God in us, but he causes us to think and to live and act differently in our world, especially when we submit and rest in his power. 
And the Holy Spirit reveals that we need not strive for God's love, that we don't have to earn it, we don't have to buy it, we don't have to strive for it. There's nothing that we do that, that allows us to receive God's word. But the Holy Spirit reveals to us that God loves us for who we are, not who we're going to be. And in response to that love, we obediently follow Jesus' command. And that enables us to live out the greatest command to love God and to love others. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do that as we come to understand God's love. And so as we come to understand and rest in God's love, the Holy Spirit does the third thing for us in our hearts. He brings us peace. Verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I want to say biblical peace is much more than an absence of war or conflict. I'm going to be real. There's unrest in our world, if you haven't noticed. But this is not new. There's always been unrest in our world. There will always be unrest in our world. The unrest has been going all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden, and it's not going away. The world offers this peace that if we just stop having conflict, if we stop having strife, then everything will be all right. But the biblical peace that God offers is that everything is not going to be all right. But we can live and act in this. You see, the Holy Spirit brings and allows us to find joy and contentment, not in the absence of conflict, but amidst the conflict that we face daily. You see, we experience this peace through relationship with God. To put simply, we need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit brings us comfort by indwelling our hearts, guiding us to the truth, love, and peace of God. There have been many times in my life where I've been confused about the next step, unsure of how to proceed. Many of you know that I felt the Lord calling me to Bible college, and I never forgot how I felt that first day driving to class. I was nervous. I was anxious. There was a fear of failing. There was a fear that I was making the wrong decision and my life was going to be screwed up. You see, in that moment, I was more focused on myself, on my lack of abilities, on my lack of school, uh, of skill, of my lack of schooling. And the more I thought about my deficiencies, the more anxious I got, the more worried I got, but the less sure I felt I was making the right decision. And honestly, like this is something that I've learned, that this is true of me in all situations. The more I focus on my inabilities, the more I focus on myself, the more anxious I get when I'm, when I'm looking at what needs to be done right now. And so in that moment, I felt my anxiety was through the roof. But also in that moment, I felt like God was leaving me to figure out the next chapter in my life. At that same time, I felt this tremendous urge to stop and to spend time in prayer. 
looking back, that was the Holy Spirit guiding me to rely on him, not on myself. He was guiding me to trust in his presence, to trust in his power. And I did. And I found that after I spent time in prayer, while I wasn't certain what was going to happen with my schooling, I wasn't certain what was going to happen in the future, I wasn't even certain that I was going to be successful in school. I was certain of, of the peace of God in that moment. And I was certain that God loved me, that God cared for me, and that God wasn't abandoning me. See, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit brings us comfort by indwelling our hearts, guiding us to the truth, love, and peace of God. But it raises a final question for us today. How do we actually get the Holy Spirit? How do we get that comfort? You see, Jesus told scared and troubled disciples that they were going to get, be given the Holy Spirit because he loves them. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't something that we get. It's not something that we work towards. The Holy Spirit is given as a free gift to us by God's grace, and it's his very presence. And it's his presence that tells us that we are not alone, even though isolated, that we're not abandoned, though we've been left by others, that we don't have to fear for tomorrow because the Holy Spirit is giving us what we need today. And he produces in us hope, and this hope doesn't disappoint. It doesn't fade. It's a not a fleeting hope of money. It's not a fleeting hope of status, of power, of politics or policies. It's the hope that is based on the resurrection of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit produces that hope in us, and it allows us to face each day, and that we can have peace that lasts and we can know what truth is, and we can know what love is. If you're listening today and you want that, and you don't have the Holy Spirit, there's nothing special that you have to do. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. To receive the Holy Spirit in your life, we need first to believe and accept the work of Jesus. We, you need to receive him in your life. Once you do that, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. You're no longer an orphan. You're no longer alone. And salvation is a free gift. Nothing that you have to earn. Nothing you have to do. Nothing you have to know except that Jesus took your sin on the cross. He rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven. And all you have to do is respond in faith to the work of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit makes his home in your heart immediately. If you've made that decision today or you want to know more about how to make this decision, I'd love for you to send me a direct message on Facebook and we can talk more in detail. For us who have made that profession of faith, all we have to do is rest in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It seems too easy. Resting in the Holy Spirit means that we recognize that we can't live out our faith apart from his power, apart from his, his presence. And the gospel isn't that I've been saved by grace through faith. Now I need to figure out how to live for Jesus. But the gospel is the work of God from start to finish, from creation to new creation, from Genesis to Revelation, including our daily lives. Everything about the gospel is that God has done the work for us, and we need to rest in that power. 
It doesn't mean that we're free from responsibility and acting and moving in our world, but it's not by our power. It's not by our abilities or our thoughts, but the Holy Spirit who works in us. And I want to encourage you as you approach Scripture, just say, Holy Spirit, illuminate the truth of Scripture to me. And as you pray that the Holy you, you pray these things because the Holy Spirit teaches truth. He gives us the ability to discern what is happening in our world. And we can rest and we can rely on his presence. More than that, 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast our anxieties on him for he cares for you. Last week, Pastor Kevin encouraged you to write down what troubles you, what troubles your heart. And this week, I want to encourage you to cast that before the Lord. Throw it in prayer. But seek his peace and rest in peace. You see, we're not left to figure out life for our own. We need to rest in the fact that the Holy Spirit is molding you in the image of Christ. That nothing that you have, that you, you, you aren't accomplishing this on your own. It is the Spirit working in you. Rest in, the love of, rest in the love of the Father. Rest in the completed work of Christ. See, we don't have to strive because Jesus has done the work for us. Restoration Church, you are loved. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. And we thank you that you have not abandoned us. We thank you that you have not left us alone. That you care for us. The greatest way that you show that you care for us is by sending the Holy Spirit to indwell our hearts. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would speak to us today, that we would be comforted by your love, that we would strive to be guided into your truth. Lord, and I pray that we would rest in your peace. Lord, we know that as for those of us who have your Spirit, that we have your presence dwelling in us. Lord, may we stop and may we recognize that the work of the gospel is not us. The work of the gospel is not us striving to get things done. But may we rest and dwell in your presence as you have made our hearts your home. God, we love you and we thank you for the love that you continually show us. Lord, we pray in your name. Amen.